my favorite hymn. <clears throat> the background of it, if you would only know what, how it come about, my friend, Brother Booth Cliburn, wrote that on his knees by inspiration in a cornfield one night with pasteboard pieces in the bottom of his shoes for soles on his shoes. Sold it to Whitsitt for $100, and he'd taken the copyright of the song. And that's my favorite of the hymns. It expresses the ex extreme deity of the Lord Jesus, and especially in a day like this, when they try to make him just a prophet. He was more than a prophet. He was God. In the scripture lesson tonight in St. Luke the seventh chapter and the thirty-sixth verse. And then when you go home, finish reading this chapter, I just read this. Because I know tomorrow is Sunday. We don't want to stay long, but we tomorrow you have Sunday school and many services. And while visiting here, I certainly have lots of good friends that I really would have liked to visit. The Stadsclave setting here and Peterson's and so forth. But my reason is for the preaching services, but looks like wherever I go it starts healing services. And then, of course, I can't visit when we're at healing services. I have to place my time on fasting and waiting on the Lord. I'm sure my friends understand this. So in the 36th verse we read this. And one of, of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went unto the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll bless these words to your glory. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. There seems to be something wrong. This um, is not just exactly right. Why would a Pharisee ask Jesus to come eat with him? Well, that's, that's not just right. Because the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, they hated him. They had no dealings with him at all. And usually when we want somebody, when we love somebody, we want them to come eat with us, but you don't ask your enemies to come eat with you. So there's something wrong with the picture when this Pharisee wanted Jesus to come and eat with him. And usually it's fellowship we want. And the Pharisees had no fellowship with Jesus because they were a stiff, starchy, sectarian group. And Jesus was the lovely Son of God. And, you know, just like uh, young women, they have things together. They have their own talks. They like to be together, young women. Now, older women, they have their times together. They like to associate together. And the young man and the old man, the little children, they have their fellowship with each other. They get in the street and play. You know, the Bible speaks of that in Isaiah, the little children playing in the streets. But what could this Pharisee want with Jesus? You know, you take a, a little girl, little girl, and let her follow around with grandma all the time, there's something wrong. There's too much difference in their age. They don't have things in common. You can depend on this. That's either grandma's pet or grandma's got a sack of candy somewhere. There's something up the sleeve. 
when you see a little girl following grandma. And you notice people gather together, like in the city, the Kiwanis gathers. When they do, they have things in common. They like to talk about uh, affairs of the city and relief for the poor and every, everyone. My mother had an old proverb she used to say, birds of a feather flock together. There's a lot of truth to that because we have things in common. That's why we're here tonight. We have things in common. We're a reason you didn't go to the bicycle or something on that order because it, you, you, we have things in common as Christians. We come to fellowship around the Word of God and to talk about the Lord Jesus. But what could this Pharisee want with Jesus? That's the next thing. It was getting late. The sun was just about ready to go down. And as it began to sink across the uh, western horizon, I can see him standing, this courier that had been a runner. He had been two days' journey coming up through Palestine trying to, to find the thing that he had just discovered. He'd go into the city. Well, he was here a week ago, but he is gone. So now we see him standing just outside the great huge crowd that had gathered listening to the words of a man that had never a man spake like this. He spoke with authority. And he was um, speaking and this courier, his legs dusty from running over the hard Palestinian roads and from city to city is seeking, trying to find where this Jesus of Nazareth was because he was on an errand for his rich master, the Pharisee. And after Jesus left off speaking, perhaps he starts the prayer meeting for the sick. I can see him as he stretches forth his sacred hands to touch the lame and the feeble and the blind. And this little courier are running for the Pharisee. I can see him elbowing his way through the crowd coming up to where he could get in contact with Jesus. Many people trying to push him back. But after a while, he comes to the final line where there's 12 apostles standing with a line draw that no one could get any closer than them unto the Lord Jesus. And he bumps into somebody. Maybe it was Philip or maybe Peter. And he says, Could I see your master? I have a message from my master to him. Well, the apostle said, he's speaking now. I will ask him when he finishes the healing service. And as the healing service went on for a length of time, after a while they thought it was just about time to have him to, to leave off praying for the sick. And some of them said, Master, I think we ought to stop the line now because this is enough for today. We have other places to go. And then Peter spoke up and said, Now, I will ask him now if he will have a, a word with you. So he said, Master, here in our audience stands a young lad who's come from South Palestine, and he's been two days' journey. He says he has a message from his master for you. Would you be able to speak to him just now? And you never ask to speak with Jesus unless he always gives you the opportunity. He was then as he is now, for he's longing and waiting to have an interview with every person, no matter what 
your errand is or what your trouble is, our lovely, lovely Lord Jesus is always waiting and trying to get an opportunity to speak to everyone. And so certainly he said he would be glad to see what he had. This young man walks up and he said, you are Jesus of Nazareth, and my master, the Pharisee, in a certain city, a doctor, and he's going to have a great banquet, and he wants you to come and be his guest at this banquet. I can see all the eyes of the apostles looking. What's he going to say? He said, I will uh, tell your master that I will be there at such and such a date. Ask and you shall receive, always with Jesus. And he said, I'll be there at such and such a date. I can hear Peter say, oh no, Lord, you don't want to go down there. Why, that Pharisee's got something up his sleeve. He, he don't want you for any good thing. Why, there's too many sick people here to be ministered to, and people who love you are, are crowded around you trying to get just a moment with you. Why, you don't want to go see that Pharisee, but no one ever asks Jesus for what he always uh, replies to your, your desire. He said, we will go. And this runner, a young fellow flunky from the house of this rich Pharisee, well, his errand was over, and he turned away from Jesus and started his road back down home feeling satisfied that he had completed everything because he carried out the wishes of his master. What an error. The man standing in the presence of eternal life, standing before the very God of heaven, and yet after he had done all of his religion, his church duties, walked away without even asking for pardoning of his sin. I wish I could stand where he did. Wished I could stand in that place where he was standing. You know what I'd do? Oh, I wouldn't be interested in so much church affairs. I'd fall on my face and say, Dear Lord Jesus, the Master of life, give to me your pardoning grace. If I had the opportunity to stand before him, I believe that's about the feeling of everybody here tonight. We do the same thing. Uh, but today, it's just like it was then. We are so taken up with so many things in the church we got to do. So much the church requires us and so much places to go. So really, we fail many times to receive the opportunity. And maybe some night we got to go practice for song service. We got to do something else. Something maybe of religious nature. But when the Holy Spirit is speaking at your heart, the best thing you can do is answer. Always. No matter what it is. What time of night or what kind of an errand you're on. Because he might not speak no more for a long time and maybe never. But this young fellow standing that close to eternal life and never even asks for it. Well, we condemn that man, but you know what? Perhaps maybe you and I have been guilty of the same thing. Standing at mouth or voice distance of eternal life, looking at it, watching it, and walk away from it just as blank as he did. That's right. We're too tucked up with other things. So many people today, you have so many things you have to do. 
You have to do your shopping. You got to hurry. The, this, that. We're just hurry, 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 and getting nowhere. Getting farther away from God all the time. Now that's right. And but he thought he had completed just exactly what he was supposed to do, and that's all. Many times we come up to the church and sign our name to a paper and uh, shake hands with a pastor, be baptized with water, and think, we've done our religion now. And you leave off the main thing, a talk with the Lord Jesus. Many times you have the opportunity and don't do it. I wonder what caused this young man to do this. I can see maybe a week beforehand, way down in another city, a great, great synagogue and a pastor there. We'll call him Dr. Pharisee, just for our name. And I can see him as he walking up and down his great halls and his great um, rugs on the floor and fine furniture in a house, rubbing his little fat chubby hands and saying, well, you know, I'm a respected man of this city. I have a, a degree, a Bachelor of Art. I'm called Doctor. Everybody, when I go downtown, they regard me as Dr. Pharisee. Good morning, Dr. Pharisee. Oh, I'm the head of a lot of lodges and things. And when the clubs meet, they ask me to speak. I'm a very influential speaker, too. And the city looked up to me. There's just so much I in it. I, 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 I. Here, some time ago, an outstanding minister wrote me a letter and a, less than a half a page, and I counted 22 I's in it. I, I, I. I have this. I have that. I have. And after all, you haven't got nothing that God didn't give to you. So you to where Jesus comes in. I went to a city where they was going to have a meeting one time. And there's pictures of the minister all over the city, the man of the hour, God's man for this, the man of the feeling for the people. And I never seen Jesus' name anywhere. I thought, why, maybe it, Jesus isn't coming to the city. Maybe it's just the man. So that's about right. But just, ah, 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 this Pharisee had it, and it's, it's still loose. So we notice that he walked up and down the, his floor and he would say, Now I have such influence in this city. And they all regard me as a holy man because I pastor, you know, the biggest church in the city. And I, I'm sure that uh, everybody regard me highly. I do my religions every day. And uh, I think it's about time that I showed um, uh, some, um, some of my religion. And uh, I think I'll just have a, a dinner. And I'll bring over Dr. Uh, Levy Pharisee. And I'll bring over Dr. Ezra Pharisee. And I'll bring over, I'll have them all over. But it looks like that I need a keynote for that, for that dinner somewhere. If I only had a, a keynote, trump card, what they call it, if I just had that, that would just be what I would need. Now, where could I find such a uh, something for a great entertainment to just really show these uh, other pastors uh, what a great man I am? And, you know, by doing something like that, it'll perhaps throw a lot more influence of the city 
of my way. And maybe by that, many of them will come over and join my church. It's too bad. That kind of a spirit still exists. It's right in too many of our churches today. So after a while I see him as he rubs his little chubby hands and walking on his great Egyptian rug and his fine place. Those Pharisees were rich. They had plenty of money. And they lived in the best of homes. That didn't mean they were right with God. Not at all. And they were smart, educated. That didn't mean they were right with God. I've seen lots of people that had the smart degrees of, out of all kinds of seminaries and colleges and know no more about God than the first ABC of the Bible. That's right, when it comes to heart. They're educated, but they don't know Christ. As I said the other night, to, to know Him is life. Not to know the book, not to know the church, not to know the catechism, but to know Christ is life. The person, Christ. And he, they got a cut out of all the offerings and all the sacrifices. They got the tithings of the people. And they were rich people, many of them, lived in fine homes, and they could afford to throw a great big, uh, as we'd call it today, a big dinner like that. And there's many poor people in the day. Now, a lot of my information I get on my text tonight, I've got it from Josephus and many of the historians of the way that they lived in that day. And I've been there also to see the modern days and the old ancient customs, and many of them are right yet today. And there are great fine homes and things, and I can see him as he walks back and forth up and down the floor in his big fine robe trailing behind him like that, and all of his religious hats on and his garb. I can see him say, oh, oh, why didn't I think of that? Well, that's just what I should do. Well, I ought to have thought of that a week ago. That's what I'll do. You know, Pharisee Jones just hates that Galilean anyhow. He, he just thinks it because that he bawled him out one day and told him that he was a snake in the grass. And I tell you, does he hate him? Mm? And I'll invite him over. And I'll have also Pharisee Levi, I'll bring him over. And does he hate him too? My, how he hates him. So what did I think of that? Just exactly the thing. So that's why the courier was up there. Now, he said, I'll tell you what we'll do. Now, he claims to be a prophet. And he claims that he sees things and foreknows things. But we know that he's a faker. We know there's nothing to him. We church people, we who's got the education, we who are smart and know all the degree, we know there's nothing to that guy. He's nothing in the world but a Beelzebub. And did you ought to have heard Rabbi Jones when this Galilean told him what he was. Oh, did he blow up. And now will he have fun to know that I've got him right down here and we'll pin him down good right here and prove that he's nothing but a faker. So we'll get him here. So I'll just send my favorite runner, Flunky, up there. He'll get him. Oh, I have thought of this a long time ago. Well, I better get busy now and get my invitations out because you couldn't hand a Palestinian uh, banquet without having an invitation. So then I hear him say, I'll tell you what I believe I'll do. You know, instead of having out here so that people can see what I'm doing, and I'll stand and have the very best 
of cooks to come, and I'll get my lamb and I'll, I'll barbecue it and roast it in spices, and oh, I'll make everybody just lick their lips, and, and uh, I'll have a great big dinner for everybody. And, um, and I want, or not everybody, not the poor, but them, but I select. And then after the dinner's all over, will we have some fun out of this year, Jesus of Nazareth? We'll prove that he's no prophet. And will Jones and them laugh? Oh, that'll be wonderful. You know what? I believe I just won't have it inside the houses here in the quarters of the house. You know, I've got a nice big front yard there and those delicious grapes, white grapes, Oh, they're just now coming in right, and won't that be wonderful just to set my table out there? And can they put on what we call the dog? <laughs> they sure can. And they really fix things up in a big way. You ought to see the way they do it. Nah. But that's just about the way we try to entertain Jesus. Cooking up a big soup supper somewhere and selling it for 50 cents a plate to pay the preacher. That's right. We're not much different. That's right. I told you I was going to talk to you tonight on the worst sinner in the city. Now, so he had everything. He said, I'll fix that up out there, and what a time I'll have. And we'll be right on the outside, right back under the, where these great big grapes are hanging down. It'll be beautiful. The odor is fine, and I'll cook up my lambs. And could they really... They got those Indian um, servants over there, and many times they're so trained, the Indians are, to wear little bells on their shoes. And when they walk, they just almost can play a tune with that as they're walking. And they're so polite how they handle the platter, you know, just with all the, the dignity that you could think of. So, oh, I'll have it really fixed up. And in that day, poor people all over the country. Well, he was going to get it all fixed up. So he gets everything groomed and everything together. And after a while, the um, final time is just about to draw near at hand. So he goes in and he decorates his room. He fixes it all up beautiful. And how they can decorate, too, with their interior. You know, uh, how they put on that, fix everything looking so nice. You know, we have a lot of that yet today in America. The president can come to the city, and what do they do? They heist all the flags up in the colors, and they fly, and they have flower girls to meet him out at the, at the train, and they strew the flowers along the street, and everybody's standing out with your very best clothes on and wave at him. That's all right. That's okay. But the thing of it is, Jesus can come to the city, and there's nothing said about it. Nobody don't know about it. You don't welcome him like that. Yet we pray all the time, God, give us a big, big revival. But when he comes, you never make him welcome. You always give him third or fourth place. You know, lots of times we have so much to do, so many things to do that keeps our minds so occupied, we can't worship him when he comes. He'll come to the meeting. Or there's having a revival in the city, the whole city, the ministerial association will get together and have a breakfast and they'll draw plans and they're going to have a big meeting. And then when Jesus comes to the church and begins to deal with somebody, they'll say, put that fanatic out. Jesus wants to bless you. He wants, to, he wants the first place. And we give him the last place. Oh, yes. 
We got time for everything else, but you see him just a few minutes before you jump in bed, maybe at night, once a week. See? Dear God, bless me and my brother and father and mother, Mr. Jones, and amen. Get to bed. Last place, but he never turns you down. He's good to you anyhow. That's what makes him real to me. You know, last Easter, you put on your most lovely dress and that beautiful hat. Oh, you went to church last Easter, and the pastor sees you again next Easter. It's about the way it goes. But you give him just a few minutes, and if the pastor spoke over 20 minutes, oh my, how does he think it's so much to talk about? Isn't that about right? Oh, you had to get out to show that beautiful dress. But he never condemned you for it. He accepted it. That's what makes him so real to me. No matter what little... Lord, will you take second place? Yep. I'll take second place. The God of heaven. To a creature. Will you take second place? Yes, I'll take second. Will you take third place? Yep. I'll take third place. Will you take fourth place? Yeah, I'll take anywhere you give me. He never turns you down. He'll come anytime. Any place you give him. If it's up in the attic, you don't want him in your parlor. When your friends come in, you can all go in and, and talk about Jesus and kneel on the floor and let that be your main conversation and, and talk about him and pray and thank him for what he's done and testify to one another. Oh, no, that belongs to the, a bunch of jokes and carrying on. And then when you talk to Jesus, you have to go up in the attic and somewhere or down in the basement every once in a while and speak to him. You can start to go to, your, your God just burning on your heart to want, to want you to worship him and love him a little bit. And you, you just figure, well, I'll do it when I wash the dishes. And Miss Jones can call up and say, Liddy, we're going downtown to do some shopping today, dear. Do you want to go? Oh, yes, I'll go with you. Then at night when you jump in the bed, say, God, be good to me and bless my mother and daddy and all of them and jump in the bed. That's about the way we do with Jesus. Give him the last place. Why, when Jesus comes to the city, there ought to be the flags out and people on the street talking about him and glorifying him and the sick and the afflicted accepting his healing blessings and out on the street testifying everybody. But we give him the last place. And still, he continually comes on back again. He's willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. Now, the day is drawing close to the hand. After a while, he has all these flunkies out. They have lots of flunkies, just guys that around the place. So he puts them all out to their duties. And the first thing, a chariot run, comes up. Most of the travel in those days in Palestine was by foot. And that's the only transportation they had besides the animals. And most of those were beasts of burdens that packed the, the burden. But the great chariot rides up and... Uh, Doctor, reverend, so-and-so got out and he come in and he embraced him and tucked him into the house and the flunky tucked the, the horses around and groomed them and put them into the stable and, and made everything ready and shined his chariot up while he was at the banquet. Everything just all polished, just like a modern-day blowout today, as we call it. In the name of religion, too. And most of the people walked. And when they walked, Along the roads, the animals walked the road also, and they didn't have concrete roads and asphalt like we have today. It was just a little dusty path along up over the hills and down through the deserts. 
And as they went up that way, and the beast walking along there too, uh, the dust taking care of the odor from the animals as the droppings and so forth, and it got into the dust and an uh, awful smell along the road. And the Palestinians in those days wore a robe, and they had an underneath garment just come to the knee, and they wore sandals. And as they walked, this robe swept up the dust, and it got for the perspiration on the legs and on the face and the hands, and it caused an awful odor. The odor from the animals on, that traveled the road was on the person when they come. And when they come to the door, they were in no condition at all to be entertained at that time because they smelt from this road, and their face were burning from the hot rays of the Palestinian sun. And so what they did when they were a guest was coming, while they always had a flunky at the door, the first fellow that you met was the foot wash flunky. The worst job in all the other flunkies was the foot washer. And to think of it, our blessed Lord Jesus become a foot washer. Come down from the highest place in heaven to take the lowest flunky's job on the earth. And then we think we're somebody because we wear good clothes and ride in a nice car. Shame on you. It's a pity that we've got so far away from God. Oh, we're very religious, but I mean get close to God. So few, I hate to say this, but so few of professed Christians today in our land know so little about God. Oh, they know all their religions, but to know God. Humbled himself. And that's what makes him great to me. That's what makes him real to me, is to think that he was willing to come down here and not be some great somebody and take some great name or something like that. He made himself humble and become a servant to all of them. That's my Lord Jesus. That's the one I love. That's the one I want to give my life and entirely to serve him and to work for him and do everything I can to get people to look at him and believe him and love him. He's lovely. He's precious. Becoming a foot washer taking the towel and girded himself and washed the disciples' feet, said, let him as great among you be the servant of all. That was his example. But us today, oh, hostile, yes, sir. I wouldn't stoop to that fellow, oh, that old drunken, oh, I wouldn't have nothing to do with him. Oh, I'm Dr. Jones. See, that's the reason we're not getting anywhere. That's the reason our pulpits are weak. That's the reason today we don't have signs and wonders in our churches. That's the reason today we don't have an old-fashioned revival. We're thinking we're somebody when we're nothing. The Bible says when a man thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. He knows nothing that he ought to know. He ought to know that he's a sinner. And then the first flunky that met the man, he set him down in a chair. And at first it was a little what we'd call a vestibule in the South. And he sets him down in a chair something like this. And he sets his foot up. He takes his shoe off, gets some nice clean water, and bathes his limbs because they're sweaty and stinky with the manure and stuff on the road and the dust that's come up and it smells bad. And he washes his feet, then he dries them off good with a towel, wipes them good, then he takes the other foot and does the same. And then if he's invited to a banquet like that, 
Then, as the host always provides him with shoes to walk on his fine carpets, he has a little rag or satin slipper. He reaches up here and he gets one until he gets it fits his feet right good. So he puts it on his feet. Now he feels very much better. His feet and legs are washed, and the smell is blowing away. So then he starts to the next door. And when he goes there to the next door, there's another flunky who meets him. And this flunky here that meets him is uh, one who has a pitcher of oil in his hand. Now, and this oil is made of olives, and it's got a very fine uh, spickered smell to it. And this spickered is a very famous uh, apple, kind of like a, a rose apple. You know when the roses uh, quit blooming and the wintertime comes on, they have a little apple. Well, way up in Egypt, or some of those countries down in there, they get this little thing. I've seen one once. It's a little apple-like. And you can rub it in your hand just once or twice, and it so saturates into your hand until weeks later you can still smell it. And it's a very expensive thing to make this spickered oil. And they grind these and put them into the oil because oil will actually become, in a few days or a few weeks or months, it gets an old smell. So this keeps it very fresh all the time. Very expensive. That was some of the treasures that the queen of, uh, of Sheba brought and gave to Solomon was some of those things. They have to climb high in, the, high in the mountains to get these apples to make this uh, oil. And then with this crucible oil, courtesy of the host, he holds his hands out and his hands are dusty and, and sweaty too. So he takes his hands and gets some of the fine oil. He rubs them all over his hands. Then he gives him a towel and he wipes his hands off right good. Then he gives him some more of it. He puts it all over his face and the back of his neck. And it's rather soothing. If you ever put it on, if any of you people has ever visited Palestine and know what I speak of, it soothes. And the direct rays of the sun of Palestine uh, burns the flesh bad. Both men and women use it. And they put it on their face and then they wipe it off with another clean towel. And now their feet is clean. They have on a nice, clean pair of moccasins, we would call it, and their hands are clean, and their face is clean, the perspiration and smells from their face, and now they feel refreshed and ready now to enter in to meet the host. And then they walk into the parlor, and when they walk in there, the host is standing to greet them first, before he does anything, he reaches his right hand, and then he touches the right hand, and they put their left hand on each other's shoulders, and the host brings his guest to him and kisses him on one side and then kisses him on the other side. And then he is a full-fledged brother. Oh, he's at home then. He is washed. He's refreshed. And now he's kissed welcome. Now the kiss is the welcome kiss. After the, the host has kissed the guest, then the guest, he can go to the icebox or whatever he wants to. He's just at home. But until he does that, why well, he isn't presentable to be kissed. He can't be kissed because he's not presentable. He smells bad and sticky perspiration on him. And then, and after he's cleaned up and refreshed so he can meet his host, then his hands are shook and he's kissed from one side of the cheek to the other, and then he's a real brother. He can just go around and do whatever he wishes to. And that's the way it was done. And this rich Pharisee, how he was entertaining his guests, and many had come in, and 
They were drinking wine and tipping the glasses to each other. And as a usually a party like that, joking and jousting and going on, jesting rather, just as they do today, the same thing. But I happened to look. Now I hear somebody say, who is that sitting over there? And there sat one over in the corner with his head down, his hands hanging down, his head dropped, his disciples on the outside looking at him, and there he sat, sweaty, dirty, smelly, not kissed welcome, and been invited to the, the party. When I think of it, Jesus sitting there with dirty feet, how did that monkey ever let that pass? How did he ever let Jesus get by? It must have been this. Jesus was dressed in such a common clothes. He dressed as a peasant. He walked as a peasant. And they must have thought that he was just a peasant coming in. And many times today, people look at people by the way they're dressed and judge them the same way. Brother, let me tell you something now. Some of the truest old hearts I've ever known that beast was under an old blue shirt. That's right. It don't have to be a tuxedo suit with a collar turned in the back. No, sir, God can beat in an old heart under a blue shirt sometimes. I've had a many revival and a great big old boy, hair hanging down his eyes, didn't know his ABCs and a blue shirt on it, patches on one another, reach up and get into the hands of the preacher. I mean it, brother, you can believe that. That's right. I'd rather have him with me any time than some slicker with a collar turned around or something, walk along his pigeon tail coat on and called Dr. Reverend Father or something and you couldn't trust him as far as you could reach your hand. That's pretty rough, but that's true. They failed to recognize him. Oh, how did he do it? How could he do it? I wish I could have been the flunky at that house that day. Oh, I'd have washed his feet. Amen. I'd been standing there waiting for him. I'd have been watching if I'd known. But as it was then, he was a fanatic. He was just fanatic, and that's the reason today that we fail to see You call it fanaticism when it's the power of God. When it's Christ resurrected from the dead, and people fail to recognize it. You call it slang and slant over sideways. I don't have to fool around that bunch of holy rollers. I go to church. I'm as good as the next one. And you don't realize what you're doing to my Jesus. There he was sitting there with dirty feet. That kind of does something to me. They call him there Jesus. Instead of Jesus, they say Jesus. And I think of Jesus with dirty feet. Could you imagine it? The king of heaven with dirty feet. Well, that's the way it is today. You do nothing about it today. They talk about him, say everything about him. What? About him when he comes into the meeting and the things he does. They talk about it, say everything, oh, it's Beelzebub, it's a spiritualist, it's a devil, it's, there's nothing to it. Dr. So-and-so knows all about it. Oh, if you see who Dr. So-and-so was in the Bible, you haven't changed much today on that. There Jesus is sitting there with dirty feet, unwelcome, and nobody paying any attention to him. That's the way it is today. We pray for a great meeting. And Jesus will come, and then nobody will pay any attention to him. God comes into the place where our programs take up all of our time. 
We got too many things to do. So much that got to be taken care of. It's all taken up like that. And Jesus many times is not entertained as a guest when he comes to the church. God help us to recognize that. Jesus wants to be entertained. And when the Holy Ghost comes into the church and wants to bless the church, people say this is cold and starchy. That's the same thing the Pharisee did. Too busy with other things. We got too much to do. We're afraid we'll interrupt something. Don't worry. You won't interrupt nothing when you're entertaining Jesus. You'll be right in the program of God. You might be out of man's program, but you'll be in God's program when you're entertaining Jesus. There he was. Dirty feet. I can see the disciples. They couldn't come in. They wasn't invited. He was the only one invited. And he got by the flunkies. And he walked over in a corner and sat down. A wallflower, we call it today. Oh, you say, Brother Bam. Well, that's the way he does. he's treated out of the churches. He's a wallflower. Or a picture hanging on a wall or something he used to be. But I declare to you tonight, tomorrow night's my last night, maybe forever for here, I don't know. Maybe for some time. But I declare to you that that same Jesus is raised from the dead in Minneapolis tonight. And people are turning their back on it and call it fanaticism and treating him tonight the same way they did then. Oh, you've got your big churches and your orthodox and stiff as a board and straight as a gun barrel. That don't spell nothing. Oh, you like to have your entertainments and your social parties and sit around and carry on and giggle and joke and everything. That's not what religion consists of. It's a worship. Not sit with your head bowed and holler, amen, like a calf bellering, but it means to get in the Spirit of God and to worship God in power and in spirit. That's right. But, oh, we're so stiff and starchy today, we can't do that, you know. They were too. And that's the reason Jesus, after being invited, that's the welcome that he got. How many times in Minneapolis and across this America and everywhere? Have people fasted and prayed and cried and say, Oh, God, come down. Oh, Jesus, we want you for a revival. And he'll break out somewhere and he'll throw them in jail. And who accept him? They'll call him a bunch of fanatics and holy rollers. It's because that you're not looking for the right person. He walked right by that clunky. And there he was sitting there, poor Jesus, with his dirty feet. I hate to say that. It just does something to me when I think about my Lord sitting there with dirty feet. And when he's been invited, then I'm welcome. And that's the reason it gets to me today to see people who claim to be religious and things like that say, oh, the days of miracles is past. Nonsense, Brother Bram. Don't you believe nothing like that? Oh, you're just mentally worked up. There's nothing to that kind of stuff. I know him. And the power of his resurrection. And I know that he's real. My life, he's all in all. When I see these people calling themselves Christians and making that kind of entertainment to Jesus, some political rally, or standing around and having an old soup supper, and old upper rooms done gone. They don't have any more upper rooms. You're too busy taking up with your little fantastic things around the church, and you've got too many things to do instead of an old-fashioned prayer meeting like they used to have. You got suppers, you got lawn parties, and you got uh, rides, and, and all these other kind of recreations and things. Christ is not a recreation. Christ is God to be worshipped. 
puff too much. That might burn and scorch a little, but that's when it's going to do you good. What we need today is a little more scorching, a little more of God's Holy Spirit to scorch the world out of it to get the stars out. There, Jesus, sitting there, not entertained, nobody looking at him or nothing after being invited. And he was, he, he, he wasn't, he wasn't, the dung on his feet and on his hands and the sweat all over him, that smell, and he, he, he was in a terrible shape, and they let him sit like that. And I think today that you people who call yourself ministers, a lot of you, now this may hurt, but call yourselves ministers. And stand and let the critical, hypocritical, infidelic world say, Oh, that Bible's just fiction. There's nothing to it. You Unitarians and you people that don't know God, let me tell you, just have a form of godliness and not the power thereof. Why don't you clean up? Why don't you preach the gospel? He's real Jesus tonight, just the same as he was then. Don't let him sit dirty like that. You claim to invite him to your home, you invite him to your church, and then when he comes, that's the way you treat him. That's the way today. Pharisees, walk around and condemn the Pharisees. Jesus said, you polish the tombs of the prophets, and you're the one who put them in there. That's right. What we need today is the entertainment of the Holy Spirit, Christ. There he was, sitting there with dirty feet. He felt unwelcome among such a crowd as that. He does yet today. A great big starchy crowd telling jokes and all kinds of religious forms and everything like that. He's, he's just left setting. He doesn't feel welcome. He'd feel more welcome tonight. Right down in a little old mission somewhere on the street in some of these big starchy churches you got around here. Right. They're not ashamed of him. And you think you got the best class in him. I don't know where you have or not. Was the best class then. There they was, tipping their glasses and drinking and, and going on and saying, Now, how fast he goes. You know what I tell you? The other day when we had that uh, convention over there, the, oh, did you remember uh, all them kind of things? I'll tell you one about the Jones, what he did over there. That's just about what the association talks about today when they come together. I went to a meeting here not long ago of a great fine church, group of people. And Twice as many people are sitting here where they're supposed to be for the spiritual benefit of the city. You know what they done? I, I was surprised they invited me. But when I, I went, and you know what they done? In a famous denomination church, they said, now, we haven't got one of the best, but we got the best fiddler and the best guitar player in the country. I thought, well, that's fine. We'll see what they play. And you know what they played? God's my judge. They played turkey in the straw behind the pulpit at a ministerial gathering. Oh, my. Now, he said, we got the famous quartet from a famous church in a city just above. And they're going to sing for us. You know what they sing? Home on the range. That don't belong in church. What's the matter with the people today? Then I got up to the floor and he threw me out. I said, shame on you, the spiritual leaders of the country here, and play church in the straw behind the pulpit. No wonder you hate me. No wonder you don't believe in divine healing. You can't. You ain't got nothing to believe with. I said, what you need to clean up here is an old-fashioned altar calling you bunch of preachers around the altar getting right with God. 
He knocked on the desk like that and said, sit down, sit down. I said, I've got the floor now. And they threw me out. I got to say what was right anyhow. They were going to judgment with him anyhow. Certainly. Yes, sir. What we need today is a cleaning up. It's the house of God. Get ready for an entertainment of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Lord Jesus. We've asked and begged and pleaded and that turning out when he comes. Amen. It's true. What a pity. There's Jesus. Dirty foot. Stinking. Nobody paying any attention to him. And he was left this place up there where he was ministering to the people. Walked two days down through that sun. Come. Had to start a little early because he, he never misses an appointment. He always keeps his appointment. I love him for that. He keeps his appointments. That's the reason tonight I got confidence in him. He keeps his appointment. Hallelujah. He's never failed. And he won't never fail. And remember, man and woman, boy and girl, you've got an appointment too with him. You're going to either meet him in peace here, or you're going to meet him at the judgment. But you're going to keep that appointment. That's one thing you're going to do. That's right. He keeps his, and he was right there on time. Not a minute late, he come right in at the banquet. And there he was, sitting there, unentertained. Look down the street there. There's a sight. I see a door come open in a little old shack, kind of up, come down the steps. I see walking down the street come a woman. She's kind of ashamed to look. She has a veil over her face. She said, it's quiet tonight. I don't know what's the matter. Seems to be nobody on the street. She's a horror. And she's walking around in the city. Oh, she says, that's right. Dr. Pharisee, the pastor, has a big banquet up there. And so she said, I believe I'll walk down to the end of the corner and look up. And she looked up. Oh, that aroma and all the force standing outside your mouth watering these Pharisees in there eating this fine lamb and drinking wine and just having them a big time. And she can smell it. She said, oh, that smells so good. What if I walk just a little closer? Nobody will know me maybe with this veil on my face because I have an awful name in the city. So she goes up a little closer. Oh, that's wonderful. So she slips up, keeps somebody from shoving her away. She slips up between two men. And she said, oh, listen at him. That's the right party. They're all drinking wine, carrying on in there. That's just the right place. So I, this is a rich Pharisee here. This is a, a man who can really do this. But look at those poor people. Look at that mother or at that little baby. wonder what she's doing here. What well, looks to be sick. I wonder what she'd bring a sick baby here for. I don't understand why. Well, look here. There's that cripple. That's our blind man, too, that used to be down on the street begging. I wonder what he's doing here. What would he do around Pharisee's house? I don't know why he'd be up here. And she looks up. She said, no. No, I... She rubs her eye. Uh, there, there's something wrong. I, I'm surely not seeing right. She looks over again. She said, that's him. That's him. Oh, she said, look, and... Well, they, he had to be invited or he wouldn't be in here. But they're not paying any attention to him. And look how sad he looks in the corner, sitting there humbly with his head down, and uh, raises up, and his feet, face is dirty from sweating, walking, trying to get there. 
nobody paid any attention to him like he was a tramp walking him. She said, it, it, I, 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 just, I, I must be out of my mind tonight, she says. I, 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 that, surely that isn't that prophet. Yes, that's got to be. Oh, he, there's no wonder they're not entertaining him. He, he's, he's all full of dirt. And they haven't washed, his, washed him yet. That's your reason. And she puts her little veil around her face again, and down the street she goes, around to her house, up a little creaking bunch of steps, and she closes the door. She walks over to a little cabinet. She opens the door, and she takes out a little sack about like this, maybe a stocking top, and she sets it down. She cleans it. It's money. It's all she's got. And she looks at it. She pours it out on the table, and the tears are running down her eyes. She said, you know, there was just something about him that looked different from the rest of the crowd. I tell you, I don't care who you are. If you ever get a direct look at Jesus, it changes you. It makes a difference out of you. She said, oh, I don't know why I'm weeping. She said, but I, I must do something for him. It's just not right for him to be like that. I just, something in me just tells me that, that he, it's not right. I got to do something about it. So she picks up the money and she starts towards the door and she says, Oh, I can't do this. I just can't do it. Because he's a prophet. He would know where I got this money. He'd know how I got it. He would know how I got this. And I, I just, but it's all I got. It's all I can do. And there's something on my heart telling me that I must do it. That's the way. That's it. There's something about women that it seems to be different from men. They seem to be sometimes more receptacle to spirit. That's right. And they, they seem to catch it quicker. And she said, oh, I, I just must do this. Something just telling me I must do it. And she picks up the little stocking again, wraps up the money, puts it in her bosom, pulls down her veil, down the little creaking steps she goes, and down to the perfume shop. And when she goes in, one of these old long hook-nosed fellows sitting back there, you know, and there had been a bad day that day and nobody buying any perfume, and he was all crabbed. She walks in the door, he looks, he said, oh, now look who my customer is. Mm. My, look who my customer is now. Didn't come with the courtesy of a gentleman say, could help you. Said, well, what do you want? And she said, kind sir, he noticed she'd been weeping. He thought, what's she weeping about? said, kind sir, I want the best alabaster box you got in store. I want not one, but I want the best you got. That's the way. Give him your best. He deserves the best you got. We give him the seconds. We give him the last. But he deserves the best. See, it's not the texture. She'd got a direct look at Jesus. And she said, I want the best you got. We give him the last we got. You take your first and go out and, and spend and have your big times. And, and when you go to church on Sunday morning, you give him a quarter. But you go and buy a $50 present to give to Joneses that live next door to you. Something enough to get up in your society ranks and then to give Jesus the last. He deserves your best. That's all she had. Jesus deserves everything that you are and all you got. That's the reason we can't get nowhere. 
She said, I want the best you got. He said, well, now, first I got to see the money. So she pulled it out. He counted 30 pieces of Roman denaria, just exactly right. Reaches up on the box and gets the spickered and hands it to her like that in the alabaster box. And she ducks it into her bosom. She stands a little. She wipes the tears from her eyes. She looks out the door, looks this way and that way, see nobody's coming. She pulls her veil out over her face. He said, I wonder where she could be going. I look as she steps out and starts up to the street just as hard as she can. There's two men standing on the corner and said, look, 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 look what's going up there. You're always wanting to scorn people that's down and out. Let me tell you, before there was a bad woman, there had to be a bad man too. That's right. Remember that some mother's darling in the day, the reason the church is in the condition is you want the big class in your church and you fail the church's failing to go get the prostitute and streetwalker and bootlegger and what there is of the city. That's where Jesus wants us to go. That's where he desires to bring them in. But all we want the guy that's got the money that can pay best and pay off the church debts and things like that. You call it the upper crust. It's a lot of crust to it. That's right. Well, how upper it is, but a lot of crust. We must go on the hedges and highways and byways and compel them to come to Christ. The outcast. She goes up. I see her moving her way up. She looks in. She looks up over the top of her head. Now she says, wait a minute. I shouldn't do this. I, I must be something wrong with me. I, I, I'm beside myself tonight. And I, I can't go in there to throw me out. But she looks over again. And there he sat, humbly, looking at his dirty hand. The people passing by and all the rest of them eating lamb. They never passed it to him. They never had nothing. Just let him sit there. And there he was sitting at the feast. All of them on their tables, how they lay down and eat there. That's good for you boys, you know. They lay down in Palestine and eat like this, laying down on a couch. And so all of them laying around eating and poor Jesus is sitting there looking. She said, oh, if I go in, Paris would throw me out. That's all. said, but... I can't stand it. I just can't stand it. Look at him the way he looks. Look at those sad eyes as he looks around. She looks down. She sees Peter and James them standing there just prancing. He looks over to Peter and him. Looks back down again just waiting. Said, I just can't stand it anymore. So she says, I've got to go in. But me, if I go in there, me, a woman of my type, to go before him, well, I couldn't do it. After a while, she said, but I remember in Galilee, I heard him say this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Whosoever will, let him come. Said, surely that means me then. If whosoever will, that's me. And I sure believe in heavy laden. He told me to come. So here I go. I wish you'd get that kind of an idea tonight. Right down through that crowd there, she, she went on her way, elbowing her way to Jesus. God help us tonight. Said, I elbow our way through all this stiff, starchy ideas of the church today and get to Christ. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. She went right on through pushing Pharisees every way. And she got right to where he was. And she broke the alabaster box and poured it on him. And she fell down on the floor at his feet. And she began to weeping. And she was patting his feet. And she just kind of got kind of beside herself. She, she was weeping and she began to rub his feet and kissing his feet. And, well, she is at the fountain of life. She was at the only place that she could ever get help. No wonder she's hysterically. No wonder she's beside herself. 
God helped us to get beside ourselves long enough to get saved anyhow. I remember when I got saved, I was beside myself. I didn't pay attention to the old starchy ritual program. No more than she did. She busted right in on the party. And she went on because she wanted to get saved. We get people like that with that determination, you're going to get saved. Yes, sir. She's breaking up the party, but who cares about the party? She was getting saved. She was getting to Jesus. And here she stands up there kissing his feet, rubbing his feet, and the tears running down her cheeks, just bathing. She just couldn't stand it. She's rubbing his feet right to the fountain of life. No wonder she felt the way she did. No wonder that she had never stood before a man before and felt that way. And the tears were just rolling down her cheeks. And she was rubbing his feet. And she got hysterically. She was rubbing his feet and kissing his feet. And, you know, Jesus, the Bible said, kiss the son. Is that right? There he was sitting there, not kissed welcome. And not feet washed. But she was washing with her tears. What beautiful water that was that was washing Jesus' dirty feet. The crystal tears of a repentant sinner washing the feet of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah! Somebody's going to entertain him. Somebody's going to come to him. Glory to God. My heart burns when I think of that. The tears of repentance out of sinner's eyes washing Jesus' dirty feet. Oh, my. Wash, what? No better. No better. Best water in the world. I believe Jesus felt us a little more comfortable there. He always feels more comfortable around somebody that, that loves him. You do, too. Always. And there he was, her washing his feet. And she was kissing his feet. And she, she got so beside herself, she had her hair all done up like that, you know. And she was washing his feet like she had been kissing him. And after a while, her hair fell down. And she took her hair and began to, to wipe his feet and to kiss him and wiping his feet and her hair fell down. Now that's the only decent thing there was about her was her hair. The Bible said a woman's hair is given to her for her glory. It's too bad you cut your glory off. That's right. I'm still old-fashioned enough to believe that that's the Bible and that's true and you're doing wrong when you do it. That might scorch a little bit. Our preachers, uh, they told me I'll preach on the street and guard you ain't going to do that anyhow. Let me tell you something. Why, you women tonight are having an awful time doing that. You have to stand on your head to do it. Shame on you. The Bible said the hair is given to a woman for her glory. And the Bible writes gives any man a right to leave and divorce and leave his wife. That'll cut her hair. That's the Bible. That's thus saith the Lord. Too bad you got away from the old-fashioned trainings, isn't it? Used to sing a song, we lay down our bars, we compromise with sin. Well, down the bars, the sheep got out, but how did the goats get in? He just went down the bars, that was all. And here she was with her glory. What she had, everything she had was laying at Jesus' feet. And whenever you get to a place that you can lay all you've got at his feet, all your glory, all the money, everything she had, the spirit and all was poured out, the whole box flew up on him. She didn't spare nothing. She poured it all on him. That's the way you got to come to him. Give him all the praise. Pour all the glory on him. Lay everything down. Hallelujah. That's why we can't have a revival. It's because you're stingy with it. Amen. You want to share some of your glory with something else? Rock my Miss Jones, you know, she wears these kind of clothes. She does this. Oh, you Pharisee. 
You walk along, you want to pat it after somebody else. No wonder Jesus can't break through this nation on a revival. Well, what's the matter with me tonight? Well, that's truth. Too starchy, too stiff, too cold, too indifferent. You're sharing with others. You're sharing with the devil. That's the reason you can't. That's the truth. If I never see you again, I'll beat you judgment with a clean heart. I know it's the truth. There you are. But this poor mortal, she was washing his feet and wiping with her glory. What a that place. What a time. Wish I could have stood there. I like to stand where she stood. Oh my, what a time she was having. Washing his feet, taking her glory, wiping his feet, the tears running down, crystal tears of repentance to washing. She's rubbing him, kissing his feet, just beside herself. You say, what happened to the party? Who cares what happened to the party? A sinner come to God. Amen. The trouble of the day, we got too much ritualistic routine. Sinners can't get to God on them kind of grounds. Hallelujah. Oh, this poor sinner with the tears of repentance running down her cheeks, dripping off on his feet, washing with her hands and kissing him with her lips, taking her glory and wiping his feet. What a beautiful picture. Jesus felt right comfortable then. Oh, what about Pharisee? Oh, the party stopped. Sure. The embarrassment. Oh, I can see that Pharisee. There's the sinner. Not the woman, the Pharisee. Sin is unbelief. That woman was a believer. The Pharisee is all religious, but he was the worst sinner in the country. And is still the worst sinner in the world. Stop. Is the stiffy, stark, backslidden church up after the same way. Hallelujah. I hate the answer this. But God's the one telling me to say it, so there it is. Amen. Amen. There it is. That's the sinner, that starchy one. This poor woman <laughs> washing his feet. As she stood there and said, I can see his face turns red. And then white around the lips. Oh, my, he's raging. He said, Now you see, Jones, all of you. Said, you see, if that man was a prophet or seer, like he says here, he'd know what kind of a woman that is. <laughs> like he didn't. But he'd know what kind of a woman it was. So why? She'll ruin his reputation. Why, Jesus' reputation's made among sinners. Surely that's the one that will receive him. His reputation had been made before you, starchy and stiff and indifferent and read some little ritual off like that and call it preaching the gospel. How in the world is he going to have a reputation with you? You got your reputation in the church. Amen. There he is. He said, see, if he was a seer, if he was a good man, he would know that that woman was a sinner. That's touching him. See? Or around him. What happened? That's the whole machine just beside herself. Would Jesus have moved the foot? She'd have jumped up. No, he sat perfectly quiet and watched her. I believe he felt real good about it. She was watching that sinner repent. That's why he said, you see, you see? Now watch. First thing he moves his sign, he raises his head. He looks up. The woman stops halfway up. Look at her hair hanging down the side of her face. The dirt off of Jesus' feet, the oil all over her lips and face. She's been kissing him, kissing his feet. And she's standing 
Her eyes are staring now. Jesus is fixing to speak, and she's looking right at him. He looks right down to her. Then he looks off at Pharisee, and he said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Oh, my. Watch this fellow be a gentleman, too. Simon, I have something to say to you. Dr. Simon, you invited me down here. And when I come, because you invited me, you never give me any water to wash my feet. You never anointed my face and hands with oil. You never kissed me, Simon. You didn't love me, Simon. If you loved me, you would have washed my feet. If you loved me, you would have anointed me. If you'd anointed me, loving you would have kissed me. But you never made me welcome. Oh, that Pharisee. Big, fat, roly poly thing. So where it is today? Paul, with all the degrees, yes. Have you given me no kiss? Oh, I'd like to kiss him. Kiss the son, the Bible said. Let me be angry. Kiss him. Said you give me no kiss. But this poor woman, ever since she's come in, she's continually kissed my feet and washed them with her tears. Wiped them with the hairs of her head. Oh, God. And this poor woman, she's washed my feet with her tears. She's wiped them with her, ha- with her hairs. And she's kissed, not like she's my feet. She's standing, she don't know what to do. Her eyes are staring. Then he turns and looks at her. Oh, my. He said, and I say unto her, her sins, which are many, are all forgiven. Someday I want to stand by and say, well, 
It was well done, my good faithful servant. You were faithful. You stood at the post of duty. You didn't shake it. You told the truth. Because the Lord said you told the truth. And it's well done now. That's what I'm looking for. Not for a better job, better position. I love him. What anyone says about you, that doesn't matter. I wonder if the head's bowed just a minute. Artemis, would you give us a little note back there? I wonder if my a person's been like that woman. Don't have to be. You might not be a prostitute. But you may be a prostitute on a higher level. Prostitution don't mean sexually every time. You can prostitute your time. You can prostitute your faith. Go out and join some cult or some old stole coal farm or church and you're a prostitute. No. You're just as guilty as she was. But the same Lord Jesus that forgives her has the same pleading mercy for you tonight. Will you come here and stand the altar with me just a minute? Someone in here will walk down to the altar just and say, I want to accept Christ as my Savior. Would you raise your hand for us? Take away from me, brother, right here. I mean, he's not a sinner in the building. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, brother. Your life is about healing, don't you? Sure. Peace. Low position. But when it comes to coming to him, you crawl back in his shell. You want to slip off back down. Oh, they say, well, I don't know about that stuff. Better be careful. <laughs> I hear that amber siren all the time through the night. Every time you pass a graveyard, remember your numbers there. Yonder's eternity, and you're going to stand before you someday. You can't repent there, and now's the time to do it. When you raise your hands, God be merciful to me. I'm now accept Jesus right now as my Savior. God bless you, Lord. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Someone else raise your hand. Say, God be merciful to me. I want Jesus. Here. God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you, mother. Someone else. God bless you up there at the balcony. Yeah, I see you, brother. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, sir. Oh, I know you might remember this thing. But he loves you. He stands with an outstretched arm wanting you to come. Come just as you are. I see you up in the balcony, sister. I see you. God bless you. Never forget that. You raise your hand to that stage. Many years ago, that happened. My dear sister, brother, is coming right in this city. Right here tonight, Lord, clean her pain. Let never old faith be set it on your heart and your face. I'd walk straight to the Lord Jesus. Forgive me, my sins. I'll clean the dirt. I'll take my way with the Lord to despise you. I'll do it. 
Someone else that has your raise your hand. Would you put your hand up and say, Jesus, this is me. I'm coming now. God bless you over there. God bless you, Lord. Someone else put up your hand. I wonder how God bless you, my brother. If you believe in Lord Sherry Billy in the healing service, how God you know the sick. How you know is the secret of your heart. How no one does know if they should raise their hand. I know it. Oh, you, you claim to be a Christian, yes, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's even true. I'm giving you an invitation. Will you lay it down and watch the piano or the organ to play? Every one of you raise your hand. You that did it, won't you come down here and stand just a minute? Or a word of prayer. Won't you come right out of your seat? Come right down here and stand here. If God will up there to open the eyes of the blind, give sight to them who never seen, who hear the death and the afflicted, if you'll be that, certainly you hear your soul. My soul is bleeding now. Oh, he's here. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Someone else raise that up. I surrender all. All to be my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Would you come back down here? Stand that long beside it. It may be the life time you don't have any patience. Maybe you never will no more be able to do this. It might be the end of the road for you pretty soon. Why don't you come now? Stand right down here. God bless you. God bless you, son. Stand right next to her. Someone else? God bless you, little boy. Look at the little fella coming down about 12 years old. Shame on some of you old people. Your heart's callous and smutty and black. Statistics show that 98% of the people are saved are saved before they're 21 years old. You get so secular when you take your right. There's a way to seem it right. Will you come? Won't you make your way down here to all the living and kneeling here? Come here, God bless you, young lady. Up in the balcony, I'll raise your hands when you come down. I give you an invitation to the same Jesus Christ that someday you're going to bow to anyhow. You're either going to die there and no mercy, no mercy then. Now's the day of mercy. Remember, when one day meets the other, the day that was saved. And when this day of grace meets Jesus Christ, it's a day of judgment after that. That's right. Come right on down. That's right. God bless you. All young people coming to the Lord. Amen. No matter what your sins are, brother, sister, Jesus is here to forgive you, brother. Little lady coming. Hurry, getting to the altar. That's the way to come. That's the way to come right on down. God bless you. That's fine. Many of the rest of you need your place right here. Won't you come? What about the brother who had raised his hand? Here in a minute, did your brother? Did your sister, did you really mean it? Come down now and kneel down here at the altar with us. Will you do this? Come on, while I give you the Lord Jesus, promise me this, and he'll forgive you of every sin. Would you come? God bless you. Many are coming, coming down out of the balcony. That's right. Just come out on down. We're waiting for you. Come out on down. Come right now up around the altar. Plenty of room. There's room at the fountain for me. Plenty of room. Amen. Come out on out now. God bless you, brother, that raised his hand and helped him out back there. God be merciful. That's the way. Come out on. Don't let Satan rob you. Don't let the outside crowd, don't let the, the world today rob you. Come, God bless you, brother. 
coming right down to me. Now slowly and say, ah, I surrender all. Will you help me here, Brother Gardner, if you will?
I'll be saying this verse, the last verse. I want the ministry to come out here and take it. The clergy here in the church that believes in an old fashioned altar call, where here come 20, 30 people now, sinners repenting of it. If you want to come and stand around the altar and pray with us, will you do it? Will you come now while we sing this next verse? Any Christian worker that knows what well, that burdens of souls upon your heart, if you had it, you should have. God knows you should have. I'm God challenged you to come tonight and make a real basic Pentecost and watch what God does for you. I miss you, Amen. You get to sing straight out and something wrong here. You get to sing straight out and watch what God will do. Amen. You just do it. I challenge you. Hallelujah. I don't very seldom get worked up like this, but something to do with it. Amen. Something moving me. Amen. And I feel very constrained and I'm right. very interested in this call. Right. Even if this more years should pour down another dog here, still burning my heart. And if I need God's servant and knowing I know this is coming from God. Amen. And I Amen. say it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know Amen. I wouldn't say that unless I meant it. There's something wrong. Now I want you to come while we sing once more with the workers and so forth and sinners and all gather around the altar that wants to pray now. Don't you sing once more? Just as I am. Thank you. 